0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, 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 what a <laughs> night it's been already, and the night is young. Uh, we have a wonderful episode for you this week. Uh, you know, here on the podcast, sometimes we have experts on to talk about maternal mental health issues, NICU issues, and sometimes we have the distinct honor of having a NICU mom on herself to share her story and her wisdom, and that's what we have for you tonight. Um mm. Karita Fly is here with us. Can you say hi? Hello, everyone. (laughs) Her story is so special. She's the mom to Isaac, a 26-weeker, and they had a significant stay in the NICU, and she has so much wisdom to share. Uh, Before we hopped on here, I was – Mentioning how just about a year ago, actually a little over a year ago, she wrote a letter for the Dear Nicky Mama social media pages. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think the prompt was like, my wish for you in 2020 is, or something yes. like that. Yep. <laughs> and we were going, ha ha ha. like, how could we have
0: known right back then? But Oh, man. Oh, man. So but, much has changed. But I was telling Carita before we hit record, I feel like... Karita, you're like one of our founding mamas of Dear Nikki Mama. Like <laughs> oh, well, I vivid, <laughs> I vividly remember connecting with you on Instagram and being like, Martha, we need to get to know this mom yes. because just mm-hmm. your personality and then your letter and your story and everything was just so powerful. And so it just feels so real to officially have you
1: here Oh, with well, us. thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yes. Also, this is crazy. This is maybe a little, a little creepy, but I think that your NICU photos are so beautiful um, just because – <laughs> Someone who had looked like a crazy person when they were in the NICU. I just feel like you look so great, and then also there's a picture. I'm sure we'll share it too, but it's of you and Isaac, and you look so cute. You have a yeah. Do you know what, I, what I'm talking about? Oh, wood I background. just pulled it
0: up. Actually, you know yeah, what, guys? Yeah. Let's do something here. Yeah. So I'm gonna read part of your letter. Okay, because I just pulled it up, and now I'm like getting emotional. Because yeah, oh. this was forever ago. My hope for you in 2020 is. That you always remember how incredibly strong you are. You talked very honestly about how you felt like you had failed your son, that those were your early thoughts, and that Mm -hmm. it's okay that if you feel those things. But you have given birth to a beautiful miracle. You have birthed a fighter. No matter how long you carried your child, you did great. Your body has been a beautiful home for them. You have given them life, and there's no way that you have failed your sweet baby. Girlfriend, making us oh, cry over God. here. I'm like, wait, I wrote that? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, okay, no. oh, gosh. Don't make me cry already, guys. Oh. And now <laughs> I'm looking at this photo of you guys, and you have this cute
1: black hat on. And oh, my goodness. Glasses, and I'm just, oh, it's too much. And also, like the red lip, but like, how yes. do you do that without staining your teeth? I mean, <laughs> different podcasts but like, I can't do that. Oh my gosh.
2: You guys are way too funny.
1: (laughs) Oh man. It's just so fun to have you here. It is. It's fantastic. And you know, I, we kind of jumped to the, you know, this beautiful end, this wisdom part here, but I wonder Mm -hmm. if you can take us back to the beginning of, of what it was like getting pregnant for you. What, Mm -hmm. what pregnancy was like for you?
2: sure so prior to me getting pregnant with isaac i had two losses one at 14 weeks and one at 12 weeks um at the time the cause was unknown but when i got pregnant with isaac um my doctor immediately told me that he wanted me to be seen by maternal fetal medicine at a different hospital because they were more equipped to deal with high risk pregnancies and they felt that i would be high risk because of the prior losses but initially, they didn't really know um, what was going on or why I had the miscarriages or things like that. So I just went every few weeks for um, different checkups, ultrasounds, cervical length checks, and things like that. Um, so at 21 weeks is when they realized that my cervix had shortened to about less than a centimeter. And so I got um, an emergency cervical cerclage placed at that point. And we thought it was going to hold until 36 weeks, but we only made it five more weeks because Isaac was so determined to get here. And he came mm-hmm. at 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Had you ever heard of – because I also am an incompetent cervix mom, which is like the mm-hmm. – it's the weirdest name for something that's truly oh my gosh, like, so traumatic is. for us, right? Yes. I remember telling it to people. Are like, are you sure – someone said, are you sure you got that right? And I'm like, of course I got it right. Yeah, I know seen, what right? they told me, okay? Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But had you heard of that before you no, were diagnosed never. with it? Never. Yeah.
2: I had never – and, and, and uh, even when I saw um, – the MFM for the first time, they didn't even mm. use that term. Like there may be an incompetent cervix or anything like that. They just said that we'll check your cervix every two weeks. And that was kind of the extent
1: of it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think it's so strange because I don't know how you felt, but for me, I was like, so you're telling me my body's just, it, there's nothing necessarily wrong with mm-hmm. me or the baby, but it's just going to open like that yeah. it just like took me by mm-hmm. such surprise that this yeah. is even a thing right it, and it was and I
2: think that the difficult part for me too is that I had to have like the prior losses and all that before you know this even came to the forefront right I guess there's like really no other way to like diagnose it or kind of predict that a woman has it um, until unfortunately they do experience loss or preterm labor
1: hmm mm-hmm. And that's so hard, too. I'm so sorry for your losses. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, thank you. And Carita, I wonder if you'd be willing to, you know, go into a little bit deeper of what your experience was like getting that surclash, because that's one question that we get in our Facebook group a lot is, what was your experience? What was it for you? So how was your experience getting a surclash placed?
2: Um, Mine was like pretty crazy because it was super unexpected. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, it was my 21-week checkup. They checked my cervix and they had me do like all these different like positioning things. And I was like, something has to be wrong because they never had me do all this at appointments. And so that was really scary to begin with. And I was by myself at this particular appointment. Um, oh. And the doctor comes in and she's like, OK, well, is someone here with you? I was like, no, I'm by myself. I thought it was just a regular checkup. Like, what's wrong? And she's like, you need to go over to the main hospital now oh um, for a cerclage. Like, don't go home don't waste time I mean literally go from here to the main hospital oh, wow. and I'm like wow. okay well um let me call and see who can get here first um I didn't know if my mom was going to be closer it was the middle of the day so everyone's at work um my husband's at work my mom everything like that so that was pretty scary because I was like how much time do I have you know I'm trying yeah. to like get a ride and everything because I don't want to drive myself um but she you know put so much like pressure on me, like go now (laughs) you're in danger. And I was like, okay, so now I'm freaking out. Um, and I, she also explained that because I was already 21 weeks, there was a chance that they could break my water um, sack. And if they did that, um, then I would probably lose my son because he wasn't at a viable age at that time. So all of this is kind of like going through my head. I finally get in touch with my husband and we get to labor and delivery so they explain how the process is going to work. Um, pretty much, the setup is almost like a C-section. You have to get an epidural and all that. You go into the operating room. Um, so that was
0: terrifying as well yeah. because okay. I was. And this all happened within one day. Like yes, you this is went all in one for day, like a couple oh, hours. <laughs> oh my god! So I'm like in a
2: whirlwind here. Um, no I go from a regular ultrasound appointment to I'm on an operating table. Like, well, hopefully we get this right. If not, you're probably going to lose your baby, but we have to try it. Um, Thank God it worked. The cerclage was placed. The water didn't break or anything like that. Um, I was monitored, I think, overnight. And then I went home the next day with the instructions to just kind of take it easy. Don't do anything. Um, lifting, exercising, anything like that. I think it was like, don't take a bath or something weird like that. Like you could shower, but don't be, I don't know. It was like something weird. Um, and they told me that at 36 weeks, they would remove their cerclage and then let labor happen naturally. But for me, um, they didn't have to do that because at 26 weeks, my cervix started to open, but the cerclage was still in place, which was also kind of weird yeah <laughs> I guess yeah. like the doctor really didn't she's like this is your six centimeters dilated but the like the stitch is still right here I feel it so yeah that was also another crazy part of my journey that I don't know how many moms like have that same experience but to me I still kind of can't wrap my head around that like how was I dilating and the cerclage was still in place right because I thought that was like gonna prevent that but yeah
1: Right. So you have the Circash place, and they said rest. But they did they was it kind of like you're going to be in the hospital or you'll be at home? Or no,
2: I went home the next day. Um, mm. they kept me overnight only because it was like later in the day. Um, they didn't want to send me home at like 9 p.m. So they kept me overnight. Um, but yeah, that was it. I I didn't have to stay at the hospital. Um, they did check my cervix I think once or twice a week just to make sure that um stitch was still in. I wasn't having any pain or anything like that, um, but yeah, I didn't have to do anything extra besides try not
0: to be on my feet too much. Wow! And so, what was that like for you, emotionally and mentally, after you had that circlash place? Did you feel like you were kind of able to relax, or did you feel like you were on high alert, hyper way of your body? How did you feel? Um, I definitely felt like I was on high alert, kind of. I
2: actually, at that point, and some people are probably going to think I'm crazy, but I actually had started to research um, preterm labor, prematurity, NICU stays, and things like that because I just wasn't confident that we were going to make it to 36 weeks because I got the cerclage um, so late. I know a lot of times women get it earlier in their pregnancy, like 14 to 15 weeks, Um, But because I had less than a centimeter left of cervix, like my cervical length, when they placed the cerclage, I just wasn't too hopeful that we'd make it to 36 weeks. Um, So I was definitely on high alert. um, And I also felt the entire time that my son was really low, like when he would kick and things like that. um, I didn't really feel it in my stomach. I kind of felt it lower, like in my growing area. Um, so sure. I was a little alarmed by that as well because I didn't think that was normal, but, um, the doctor, you know, wasn't too concerned. So I try not to think about it too much, but I was definitely a little worried after they placed the a because I was like, I don't know if what I'm feeling is too normal. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: And I mean, he, so you said I, you were anticipating maybe the idea of having a preterm labor, what were you thinking when you were reading it? Was it scary for you? Are you someone who feels empowered by getting information? Um, Initially, it was pretty scary because you
2: read. I mean, they tell you not to Google anything, right? Right. Because Google is like the worst. We
1: know better, <laughs> right?
2: Exactly. exactly. And so, of course, when you're Googling things, I mean, you're getting the worst case scenarios. It's like they don't really give you the positive things. They just give you like all the things that could go horribly wrong if you go into labor too early. Um, And then at that time, I also learned what was considered, you know, viability, what wasn't, um, things like that. I didn't really get the positives of, you know, prematurity and the NICU and what could go right um, until I found like social media groups. And there were people sharing their personal stories, um, pictures of their kids and things like that. And I was like, okay, well, this makes me feel a little bit better. Like, it may be a right. crazy journey, but, you know, there's hope. Yeah. Of course, Google yeah. was not giving me that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Right. Um, so I'm really glad that I was able to find, like, other mom groups and things like that um, that kind of talked about the positive
0: outcomes of their NICU day. Right. Mm, for sure. And so what were some of your early signs of labor that, you know, inclined you to go to the hospital when you did? Um, I, I
2: knew I was having contractions. Like, okay. I just knew that I was having contractions. The weird thing is, though, I had a doctor's appointment that Friday morning, the day that Isaac was born. Oh. Um, my appointment was about 10 a.m., and I felt a little crampy, but the nurse was like, oh, you're not contracting. It's probably just, you know, the baby's growing and things like that. He looks great. Everything's fine. This particular appointment, they did not check my cervix because I wasn't due for a check until the following week. Oh, wow. So when I got home, I kind of, every few minutes or so, I was like, okay, something's off. So I started to time it. And I was having contractions every 10 minutes exactly. Mm. It was about 4 p.m. at this time, and I was like, okay, I got to get back to labor and delivery because I'm pretty sure I'm having a baby today. Um, I called my sister. She was the closest, and I was like, I don't really know what's going on, but I think I'm in labor. Can you come get me? And she's like, what? I just took you to the doctor this morning. You were fine. I was like, yeah, well, I'm not fine now. (laughs) I was like, something is not right. Mm -hmm. And then before my sister even got there, I lost my mucus plug. Oh, my gosh. And Google...
1: Told oh, me right. for sure That's I was in labor. Little. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: that was, you know, the one thing that I did look that up and they were like, yeah, okay, you're about to have a baby. So I was really freaking out at that point. Um, but again, it was still kind of hard for me to accept that I was in labor because I had just had a doctor's appointment three hours right. ago. Right. And I was fine. But even when I got to labor and delivery and they hooked me up to all the monitors and everything. The nurse said to me again, she's like, I don't know what you're feeling, but you're not having contractions. Mm-hmm. Look, there's nothing on the screen. And I was like, lady, I'm contracting. Mm-hmm, I lost my yeah. mucus. Like, right. I am in labor. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. Uh, funny story, she was also nine months pregnant and she had her baby that night. Oh. And we all kind of oh. joked that, like, I stressed her out. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so oh we had our God. baby we had a boy as well we had our babies the same night same hospital what? like as soon as her oh, shift was over she went into labor so we always kind of oh. joke like we made her go to labor um but yeah because she was like oh you're fine everything's fine and I'm like yelling like I'm not fine like yeah she's like,
1: I yeah
0: labor I'm having contractions right, right now.
1: I, feel like I know my body. I'm yeah.
0: Exactly.
1: so I gotta um, say, we hear that so often that yes. and I had experience too with both of my yep. kids. Me too. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm having the contractions. They're like, mm, it's not showing up on this thing that's yeah. designed for like, uh, you know, beach whale level pregnancy, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. so right. I, yeah. So I'm like, we got to figure it out. We got to design it better. And I know. Also, well, And the you fact
0: like- that you had lost your mucus plug is like yes. a pretty significant yeah. sign that you are in labor.
2: Yeah. And so yeah. I was like so annoyed with her because mm. I was like, I know it's like really not your fault. Like you're just watching the machine, but I'm for sure having contractions here. and. Lady, like, you're not trying to do anything to help me.
0: Right, right.
2: No, so that was, like, a little – I mean, I probably did send her into labor at that point,
0: but – That's okay, I, though.
2: You had to advocate for yourself. <laughs> right. I, I literally always, like, wanted to find her again after just, to, like, talk to her. But, yeah, it was it was really weird. She They told me the next morning that she was asking about me and she wanted to know if we were okay and that she yeah. had had her son as well. So, oh. yeah, it was, it was really funny. But um, we didn't realize I was actually like in labor, I guess the medical team didn't until um, the resident came in and she checked me and she's like, you're six centimeters dilated and I feel a foot. So you're about to go have a C-section
0: right now. She felt a foot. (laughs) Oh, my word. Which is like
2: why I mentioned previously when I was feeling the kicks. I was like, this is, like, in my growing? This is not, like, in right. my st- This is weird. Wow. And I was like, you know, I've never carried a baby this big before. I don't know what kicks really feel like, but I'm pretty sure I shouldn't feel them down here. Yeah. <laughs> and that explained why I was feeling him kick for weeks, you know, that low. Because apparently he was trying to escape. So, <laughs> I guess that <laughs> I was like. like, Mom, I want to meet you. <laughs> I know, like, I guess that was just, he was trying to work his way out all that time. Um, so, yeah, that was, I guess, when things kind of got exciting in not a good way. <laughs> right. When um they finally someone realized that I wasn't crazy
0: and I was indeed in labor. Right. Oh my goodness. Oh. So then they feel the foot. Mm-hmm. And then was it just a mad dash after that or I mean what it what was. was what was going through your head?
2: Um I don't really think I fully comprehended what was going on. It was just yeah. kind of like everything was happening so fast. my mom says to this day she's like when that doctor came out of that room and I looked at her face I knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. and she's like she was like flushed her color was like and she was a resident so I don't know how you know like how often she had dealt with this or anything like that but she was like freaking out herself um so but for me it was like kind of one of those things where I understand what's happening I know this is real but is it really real like yeah. I kind of feel like I'm in the twilight zone here.
0: Right. Yeah. I literally
2: had a perfectly normal doctor's appointment at 10 a.m. It's 7 p.m. And they're telling me I'm about to have a less than two pound baby.
0: Right.
2: Like, and I didn't really know anyone else at the time who had, had preemies, NICU stays, things like that. So this was all just such a shock and a whirlwind for me. Um, and it was unexpected because, like yeah. I said, you know, I had yeah. all my regular doctor's appointments and things like that. And here we are a few hours later, no one saw this coming. Right. And then at that point, um, they had taken me to prepare me for the C-section. But at the same time, um, the neonatologist was talking to me about what to expect, what they were going to do when Isaac came out, um, that they were going to take him away immediately, try to intubate him, things like that. Um, You know, we're probably going to have a really lengthy NICU stay. He was pretty early. Um, Not to expect to go home until at least our due date or after. If we got lucky, it might be before, but not to really expect much. Um, Just kind of anticipate being there for a while. Um, See, it was 14 weeks early, so at minimum they were expecting us to be there for 14 weeks.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Yeah, but again, all that is like crazy. I'm like signing consent forms, getting steroid shots, getting an IV, listening to the NICU team, listening to my OB who's going to do this C-section all at the same time. And I was just like, okay, do what you guys have to do because I really don't understand anything that anyone's saying right now. Right. I just want to like make it through this process. And I want my kid to be okay. And I want to be okay. Yeah, right. You're yeah. listening to all these different things that could happen that may not happen that may happen. And I was like, People, I know you're just doing your job, but do you guys really think that people can, like, take this information in? right. anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like,
0: right.
2: Like, they're handing me pamphlets for, like, you. I was like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. Just give it to right. my family. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Right. Right. At
1: right. the same time, like, you're saying pre- – you know what I mean? Like, that's the part yeah. where you're, like, having this intense kind of, like, meditative oh gosh, yeah. like preparation. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, definitely. I was, like, praying like crazy. Oh. And when they asked me, they are like, okay, do you guys have a name? And so I was like, well, I kind of had a few choices, but you know what, we're going to go with Isaac. Hmm. And I chose Isaac because, um, I don't know, he all religious um, preferences, but in the Bible, Isaac was the promised son to Abraham and Sarah um, wow. after it, Sarah was barren, they were in their old age. And I kind of felt immediately like this was our promise being fulfilled. Wow. Um, even after the previous miscarriages, even though he was coming early, I felt like he was going to be okay because yeah. God was fulfilling his promise to us in that moment. And so I immediately wow. just thought, Isaac, put it down. We're going with Isaac. Mm. <laughs> so oh, that was, beautiful.
1: Wow. it stuck.
2: Yeah. That was so
0: prophetic in that moment. And it, you know, I had thought about it
2: before, but it was like, that was my confirmation Yes. Um, yeah. at that moment that we're about to embark on one heck of a journey. I don't know what's coming, but our promise is going to be fulfilled either way. So we're naming him Isaac. Wow. (laughs) That's beautiful.
0: I got goosebumps. Yeah. I got Kiri over here hearing (laughs) that.
1: Wow. So were you, were you awake or were you under during the delivery? I was awake.
2: I was awake and I wish I was not, but (laughs) I mean, I, it was the, my heart rate like went through the roof. I, um, have tachycardia so my heart rate's pretty irregular anyway mm. but because of all the stress it was like my blood pressure went up my heart rate went up all these alarms are going off while they're doing the oh. c-section and one ob is like we have to stop like her body can't take this the other's like you can't stop like
1: wow. <laughs> the baby needs
2: to come out like we have to get the baby out so oh they're God. trying and to you're put, hearing all of this. Yeah, yeah And i'm hearing all this and so they're trying to put like a line in my arm they blow mm. a vein so I'm like bleeding everywhere. <laughs> I'm oh, like shaking hysterically and then I start to hemorrhage. Oh, so I'm like gosh. bleeding out. They finally get Isaac out. They like rush him away and now it's like okay, we have to try to save her life at this point because everything mm. that could go wrong in this moment is going wrong. Um and so even after Isaac was out, they had sent my husband out um my mom said after she's like I was so worried because you were in there for so long she's like it was so much time had passed and of course I have no sense of time at this point I'm just like laying there and then the anesthesia were off so they're they're like trying to finish the c-section and I'm like screaming in pain which is not helping because I'm also bleeding
0: out um yeah so (laughs) it was crazy wow That is insane, girlfriend. Yeah.
2: We get to uh, the point they're finishing up the C-section, and then they also have to go in and take their cerclage out because although I was in labor, the stitch was still in. So that was like a separate little quick procedure they had to do after they closed me up from the C-section. They attempted to take me to my room after and then realized that I was passing out because I was still bleeding. Mm -hmm. so then I had to go back for blood transfusions and all that crazy stuff. Um, And at this point, I still have no clue how Isaac is doing because, you know, all these hours are passing where they're just trying to get me to be okay. Um, And so it was probably, I had Isaac at 8.55 PM and it was probably maybe three or four in the morning um, Mm -hmm. when I found out that he was like, okay. And he was breathing, you know, he was intubated, but he was doing really well, according to the doctors, for a 26-weeker. So I was able to relax a little bit.
1: Right. So that entire time, though, you didn't know? No. You just had – oh, my gosh.
2: And when they when they pulled him out, he did let out, like, this little whimper, which made mm-hmm. me feel so good because I was like, yeah. okay, at least he's alive, you know? Like, it's a tiny little cry, mm-hmm. but, like, he's alive. Because they told me that he probably wouldn't make any noise when he came out because he was so tiny. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
2: So I felt like he made that little noise to let me know he was okay. Like, you probably won't see me for a while, but I'm fine.
1: And so that was
2: that was good for me that he even let out that little bit of a cry.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you had quite a lot of healing to do, too. I mean, how long yeah. was it before they let you go to the NICU? Um,
2: I was able to go the next day. Um, I was able to be wheeled up the next day um it was a little that was kind of like I don't really remember my first time going to the NICU and I'm gonna assume it was probably like all the pain meds and everything I was on Yeah, Um, but like I don't I kind of like briefly remember the doctors talking to me and everything but it wasn't until like two days later when I went up for rounds that I kind of fully got the picture of where we were you know you have this 26 weaker he's one pound 13 ounces Um, By the standard, he's doing okay for a 26 weeker. Um, But then they tell you that he may have brain bleeds and, you know, all these other things that they expect from micropremies. So that's kind of when I mentally started to prepare for the journey that was ahead because I knew we'd be there for a while.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, And so your husband had the chance to essentially meet Isaac prior. So did you like see pictures of him? I did, I did. And let me tell you, he looked so big on the pictures
2: (laughs) compared (laughs) to like when I got up there, I was like, this is not the same baby. Right. You showed me (laughs) a huge baby. This baby's like teeny tiny. But I mean pictures do that. Um he did. He he was (laughs) gonna go up there. That was the only thing that was like a shocker to me that he just seemed so much bigger on the pictures. Right. So I really wasn't prepared for like this tiny little fragile baby.
1: Um, right. But
2: I mean, he, they told me that he was doing okay, that he looked good. Even the nurses yeah. were, you know, saying like he, he had really good skin. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know, don't all babies have skin? Like, what they, and then yeah. that's when I learned that some babies like have to um, get like extra care and things like that. And some even have to be bagged for a while. And they were explaining that they didn't have to do any of that with Isaac. So I was like, okay, well, well that's a
1: plus. He's doing yeah. pretty good so far. Yeah. Right. And, like you said you didn't really have close family members or mm-hmm. anything thing that had preemies, right mm-hmm. so right w- and and they're like telling you all this incredible medical information exactly. and you're learning all this. and you're on like the strongest narcotics available <laughs> yes. right so yes i how was that taking in all that information for
2: me it was kind of like one thing at a time
1: right. um
2: i didn't it was like okay so he's going to live let's start there I know you guys are telling me all this stuff, but like in layman's terms, just tell me he's gonna survive. Like, <laughs> let's start there. And so mm-hmm. the doctor's like, oh yeah, well, you know, one day at a time, you know, they don't want you to be too optimistic, I guess. I don't know. Um, they're like, one day at a time, you know, everything changes day to day right now. He's doing really well, but you know, you never know what to expect. And I was like, Okay, you guys are really not making this easier. <laughs> like mm-hmm, one right, thing, you're yeah. telling me he's doing great, and then you're like, but don't get too excited, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little scary for me, just kind of understanding that this was the kind of one day at a time journey. Um, and we did come to learn that for Isaac, that some days he was doing incredible, other days they were calling me in the middle of the night, like just so you know, we had to do this or we had to, you know, reintubate him. He's not doing so well. We thought he was ready for the cannula. He's not. Um, and if you were ever a Nikki mom, you know, those middle of the night calls. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Like call yeah. me during the day, that's fine. But like if my phone rings at two or three in the morning, it's like I know that something's wrong and now yeah. I'm immediately panicking.
1: Yep, yep, right. yeah. So yeah. I mean, you're right. Like all Nikki moms know this back and forth and back and mm-hmm. forth, you know, three steps forward, seven steps back. But- oh yeah. What were what were some of Isaac's biggest challenges and his biggest you know triumphs that he had?
2: Um, well, the biggest was that he got RSV and pneumonia oh um, my gosh. in the NICU in the NICU, which my word. was so unexpected. They called again one of those middle no. Let me back up. New Year's Eve, two thousand seventeen. He's born in November two thousand seventeen. So. I went to visit him, and I was holding him, and I was like, "His like something's weird. Like It feels like a rattle or something is in his back, like something's vibrating. And at the time, the nurse was like, oh, we may just have to adjust his oxygen a little bit. I'm not sure. So I didn't think too much of it. And then his primary nurse came in overnight, and she called me. She's like, hey, just wondering, did you come visit Isaac today? I'm like, yeah. She's like, did you notice anything? I was like, do you mean that awful sound in his lungs? And she's like, yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm going to talk to the doctors about it. Hmm. So at this point, I'm, like, getting super worried because I was like, oh, my gosh, he's been doing so well. Like, what could this possibly be? And then they called and explained that they were testing Isaac and another baby for some viruses because, I don't know, maybe one, I think one of the nurses or doctors had been sick or something that cared for them. And so they were going to test them for some viruses and they will let me know. Well, Unfortunately, Isaac tested positive for RSV, Um, and they were like, okay, we're going to be honest with you. This is a very, very ugly virus, and especially for a NICU baby who is nowhere near fully developed, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: we don't really, excuse me, know what to expect. Um, Hopefully, at around day seven, we see some improvement, but he's probably going to get really sick before that. And so I was like, what do you mean by really sick? Like I mean like what I, I don't know what's really sick for a NICU baby. And I could have never been prepared for what was coming. Oh. He got more than sick. Like he actually um ended up on an Oscillator, which is oh. one of the largest ventilators that they have in the NICU. Um, and I got a call one early it was a Sunday morning, it was pretty early. And the doctor was like, can you be here in about 10 or 15 minutes because we don't think Isaac's going to make it.
1: Um, He's been,
2: like, fighting really hard, but his lungs and everything are just, like, they're tired. Um, Even on the oscillator at the highest settings, he's, like, not doing anything. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So I rush to the hospital. I'm, like, flying there. I get there, and the nurse says, you can't come back right now. And I was like, what? He just told me to get here in 10 minutes and I like flew here and I can't go back. So being completely honest, I was like, oh my gosh, he passed away. Like he passed away and that's why they're not letting me go back there. So I'm like freaking out. But um, they were actually putting a larger breathing tube in at the time to kind of hope that that would help him a little bit. Um, But they still were pretty sure that That day would probably be his last day alive. So to put it, the doctor tried to like say it in the nicest way possible. But he's like, this is just like nothing's working. We're doing everything. And I think he's just too tired. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. And prior to this, we didn't have like any issues in the NICU. He was literally Mm -hmm. just like there growing, eating, you know, learning to eat, learning to breathe. And that was it. Like we didn't have any major complications. So we were not expecting this at all. And then they started to talk to me about putting him on ECMO, um, which is for adults, isn't even really that safe. So they were explaining that for a baby, what it is, is like they hook you up to a machine that kind of removes all the blood from your body to clean it and then puts it back in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to have to transfer him to a special hospital to do that. But they didn't even think he was healthy enough for a transport.
1: Right.
2: So I was like, okay, we just really are not getting much hope here. Um, And that was really scary for me. But it was like kind of that thing where I was like, nope, I named you Isaac for a reason. Mm -hmm. The promise is still going to be fulfilled. You're going to be okay. Like, it's really scary right now. I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going to come of this, but you're going to be okay. And he was, much to everyone's surprise. It was like two days after that, he just kind of started to turn around. For the better. Um, wow. They didn't have to transfer him. They didn't do anything like that. It's like he, we were praying. My pastors came to the hospital to pray with him as well. And a couple of days later, he literally just started to turn around for the better. And wow. he progressed
1: from there. Wow. Oh, wow. What an incredible baby and an incredible mom. Oh, no, yeah. thank you. Um, you know, and to be
0: honest, I've, I've never heard about a baby getting RSV in the NICU. I feel like that's the yeah. one thing that's like the warning label when you're about to leave is mm-hmm. like, be, be mm-hmm. wor- you know, careful about RSV. And so to be confronted with that while your yeah. baby's in the NICU is th- so scary.
2: And I think, um, and I'll also add, they actually had to have PICU doctors come down to kind of figure out like how to treat him or what to do because that's who usually dealt with RSV. Right. Um, they didn't right. deal with it in the NICU. I think they said it had been maybe three or four years since they'd had a baby in that NICU with RSV. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it was pretty crazy. They were, like, calling other hospitals to, like, get advice on what to do, things like that, because they were, like, "I like, nothing that we're doing here is working, and wow. he's fading, and we don't want that. Like, we really right. want to try to save him. So, yeah, it was definitely a huge team effort. And so I'm right. always grateful for that.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So he fights back after this incredible, you know, surprise comeback.
0: Mm-hmm. The comeback kid.
1: That's <laughs> exactly. Isaac.
0: Exactly.
1: And, <laughs> and he's this little miracle. And, you know, you mentioned that he, you know, obviously had to be on a greater amount of um, oxygen support. Mm-hmm. Did he have to kind of rebuild back to where you were at? Because you were, he did, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and that was hard for me too. Because in the beginning, one of the doctors would always kind of joke and say, Oh, he'll be home in time to watch the Super Bowl with you guys, he's doing great. Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't happen, obviously. And you know, it's so weird that that just kept popping back up in my head like, but he said he was going to be home for the Super Bowl, right? You know, and I guess that's why they like. say that you know they don't like to give you a projected um discharge date until it's like right there because I was like but the doctor said you know and I was like okay well nobody could have predicted that he'd get RSV like of, right, of course, you can't yeah. really be mad at anybody for that you know yeah. <laughs> he said it because he was doing great you know he was just yeah. excited that he was progressing so well so he made that statement but it was like one of those little things that just kept playing over in my head and I guess that made everything even more difficult because you had a finish line in your head and it's like right. now
0: that has to be pushed way back mm-hmm. because right. we're yeah. pretty
2: much starting over yeah right
0: and at what point did he get like how many days in were you guys when he got RSV? Um, he yeah.
2: was 34 weeks gestation, I think at that time. So oh, a little wow. under 10 oh weeks we had goodness. been. Vindicated.
0: Yeah,
2: he was still very fragile, which is like why they were anticipating that um, he was gonna not survive RSV because they're like he has no reserve in his lungs. He's still in oxygen like there's nothing I right. mean this yeah. virus is probably gonna, take him out because it's, he can't fight it. There's no way he can fight this.
0: Yeah, right. And so as he was kind of, you know, rebuilding that strength and kind of rebuilding that lung strength, you know, what was mm-hmm. the remainder of his NICU stay like?
2: Um, He was in isolation for a while, which was also kind of sad for me because I was used to kind of interacting with the other moms, you know, sure. going in and out of the yeah. NICU, but in isolation, just you're in a room by yourself. Um, So that was a little difficult, and I think that kind of um, made things seem like they were going even slower as well. Right, yeah.
0: Um,
2: But he kind of started to do really well. Like, once he got back kind of to where he was before he got sick, he started to do extremely well. They were preparing me to bring him home on oxygen because the RSV had done so much damage to his lungs. They were just kind of saying that, in all honesty, there's probably no way he won't go home without oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. So he kind of has to rebuild his lungs back up. But maybe a week or so before discharge, his primary nurse, she asked me how I felt about trying him off of oxygen, just letting him do room air for a little bit. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know. You know, the doctor said he needs oxygen. So we're going to leave him on the oxygen. She's like, I think he's fine. I really think if I take this away mm-hmm. from him, he knows how to breathe. And is this the same nurse that heard the vibrations in his lungs? Yes. Okay, I love wow. this nurse. Yeah, yes. I like her too. She's actually retired now. She retired a little bit after we left, and that made me so sad because we never got to go back and see her. Sure. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I'm really like on a hunt for this nurse, okay? So yeah. I'm like, I, I like <laughs> rule her everything. And I was like, I, don't, I just want to find oh, her man. and tell her that Isaac is doing so good now. Yeah. But yeah, so she, yeah, she did. And she told like the whole floor, she's like, I'm going to take this baby off oxygen, if the machines beep, if his saturation drop, like, leave him alone. I think he can come up on his own.
0: Wow. So and she really knew him. She did. She, did. she
2: did. And she was really good for me as well. Like, I felt like she was like a grandma. Yeah. <laughs> she was like an older nurse. And she was, oh, my God. She was so good. And she was right. He She took wow. him off that day and he never went back on. Whoa. That was it. She's like, I know what I'm talking about. Like they're oh giving god. him oxygen because they're scared, you know, of everything that he's been through, and they just want to not to push him too hard. She's like, "But I know what he's capable of." Yeah. She's like, "We can do this," mm-hmm. and he did, and he did not have to come home on oxygen, and he actually came home like a week after that.
0: Whoa! Wow. Yeah. Oh my god! Whoa. She needs, like, Nurse of the Year award She does, or and I, I'm telling you, like,
2: that's why I went back to find her, and she was not there anymore. I am like, you guys are kidding me. She retired. Like, what? Oh. You didn't even get to see her again. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So, yeah, um, she was so – oh, my gosh. She was such a good nurse. But we do have right. a picture with her, though, so oh, that's okay. – <laughs> I
1: guess that we'll have yeah. that for our memories. Yeah. And, like, those darn, like, federal laws that won't let the hospital <laughs> give you her address exactly. and stuff. I know, right? Like, <laughs> how dare like, they I just want to call her like right? I just want to her <laughs> yeah you're like we yeah. just need to get coffee once a month exactly you just yes me. yes exactly oh, listen someday you're gonna like bump into her at the grocery I know. store or something I hope so I really hope so that yeah. would be great oh that's <laughs> so beautiful oh my gosh so you've been through this entire journey with him you know there was the RSV, which was, like, a huge setback, and then you mm-hmm. fought to get him back to the, where he was before. Mm-hmm. What was it like to bring him home?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. We were so – oh, wait. I left out a really big part of this. Oh, no. I was oh yeah, so, please. like, wrapped up in the RSV. Sorry. So, like, the week he was getting discharged, I asked the nurse – he had, like, this little bulge between his eyes, and it was, like – I couldn't tell if it was like a bump or like loose skin or what it was. So the doctors just kept telling me it was like loose skin. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I just want to bring my baby home. like. But then I noticed that it was like pulsatile. Like it would move. And mm, I was like, this mm. is not skin. Like what the heck? So I kept talking to the nurse about, again, that same primary nurse. I kept telling her, I was like, don't you see that this gets bigger some days and then smaller other days? She's like, yes. And I keep bringing that up to the neonatologist and they're like ignoring me. So maybe if you like push a little harder, they'll do something about it. And so I did. And I kept telling them, I was like, okay, I get that you guys don't want this to be like anything, but he has a lump in the middle of his eyes that grows like by the day. (laughs) You can't tell me that you don't see this. Right. So, long story short, they had a neurosurgeon come down, check him out, and realize that that bulge was actually a portion of his brain <gasps> that was oh sticking out. He had what's called an encephalocele. So, his neural tube did not form all the way. So, he had an opening in his skull where um, brain tissue was sticking out of. And that's oh why it was pulsatile word. because the veins and things, like the blood was pumping. Oh, my And gosh. So when I brought him home, I was super excited to bring him home, but we still had this thing hanging over our head um, that we would have to deal with outside of the NICU because the neurosurgeon wanted to keep checking him and things like that. Um, But that was something, again, that I had never heard of. I was like, what the heck is an encephalocele?" And actually only about one in 10,000 babies will have one. Um, and so it was like super rare. Again, it was something that they hadn't really dealt with in the NICU. So when they saw it, they didn't think anything of it, which is why they kept saying that, you know, he was fine. It was just loose skin because he was so tiny and things like that. But, um, we knew that at some point he would need a pretty major brain surgery to repair it, but we weren't sure when. So while we were super excited to finally get him home and he was doing great, um, we didn't really know what to expect as far as that type of brain defect. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah. And we were kind of on our own at that point with seeing like outpatient neurosurgery and neurology and things like that. We didn't really have the cushion of the NICU to kind of back us up anymore. So that's kind of when my mama advocacy kind (laughs) of really stepped in. I was like, We're going to get this figured out. We're going to get this taken care of because I don't know what this is, but I'm going to learn as much as I can about it because apparently nobody else knows what this is either.
0: Well, and to be truthful, Carita, I feel like your story from the very beginning is you learning how to advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. and for Isaac. Like throughout your whole story, I'm hearing about how you. You know, whether you wanted to or not really had to speak up for yourself, whether Mm -hmm. it was I'm in labor or, you know, something feels off in his breathing. And Uh now, you know, this bump on his head doesn't seem like just a bump. And so huge kudos to you, mama, for, you know, honoring your body and also really stepping into that advocate role um, so bravely. I mean, truly, I feel like you were such an example of how to do that throughout your whole stay.
2: Oh, thank yeah. you so much. And I do, I try to tell other moms that sometimes it can be intimidating mm-hmm. talking to the doctors and things like that because you're like, well, they're the ones that know they're educated on this, but it's like, no, you know, your body, you carry that baby, You birth that baby, mm-hmm. you know, when something's off, you know, it's yeah. okay to speak. And even if you're wrong sometimes, that's fine too, but I'd rather be wrong and say something than not say something. And then something happens to my baby. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Mm. Oh man.
1: So how you, I mean, you really then hit the ground running. Like you transitioned yeah. from, like you said, the cushion of the NICU to like, bam, all of a sudden you become uh, you know, primary nurse slash full-time yeah. mama slash milk yeah. machine slash, you know, chauffeur, like getting <laughs> yes. into all these appointments. How was that transition? I mean, were you immediately in neuros, like with the neurosurgeon, like the next week? How quickly did that all happen? Um, we
2: did. We actually did get in with neurosurgery pretty quickly because they wanted to monitor it because if it got too large, he could lose his eyesight and he mm-hmm. already had, um, retinopathy of prematurity. So we were seeing, um, ophthalmology pretty often as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were really kind of trying to stay on top of that. And luckily for me, I had just, I just came home March 6th and I was just finishing up my last term, um. In law school, I was getting a master of legal studies.
1: Oh, what! And so I, I was in school that whole time.
2: Oh, <laughs> I'll, my I'll throw Lord. that in there
1: too. I was in school that whole time. Oh my goodness! Um, a- and so
2: as he was coming no. home, I was finishing my last week of classes, and I'm so glad that it happened that way because once he was home, I had like no free time. Like, yeah. I could not do anything except back and forth to doctor's appointments. Early intervention started all these things. And neurosurgery was kind of like, oh, well, the encephalocele is there, but I think it's okay until he's about a year old, if not older. We don't want to do anything with it. Um, and We were hoping that that was the case, but in November of 2018, so um, the same year he came home from the NICU, I noticed it was on Thanksgiving, actually, that the encephalocele looked huge. Like, out of nowhere, it was, like, three sizes bigger than it had been since birth. So oh. I took him to the ER, and the doctor that saw him, she's like, oh, my gosh, I remember seeing him in clinic. It was not this big. She's like, so we're going to get him in with neurosurgery soon. We'll see what they say. Well, literally, they called me after they got all the test results. and was like, yeah, we're going to do this surgery on Friday. Oh. I was like, oh, like, the Friday that's coming up? Which would have been two days before Christmas. Oh my, oh my goodness. goodness! So I was like, "Uh, okay." So it is an emergency. I wasn't crazy. Thanks again, because oh, clearly yeah. I knew what I was talking about. Once again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, it, it again, and that's the thing that I always try to push with advocacy too, because I feel like doctors see so many different patients, and mm-hmm. they often kind of just group everyone the same way. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, I've had a patient with this before and they were fine. So your kid's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, everybody's different. And I need you to address my case the Mm -hmm. way that it's happening to me. You know, not the way that the textbook tells you to address it. Yeah. And he did end up having the surgery. And the doctor, he's like, once I got in there, I realized we were in for way more than we thought. The hole in his skull was way bigger than we thought. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm glad we did the surgery when we did, and he ended up having a full craniotomy. So, um, hopefully this isn't too much, but he, um, incisioned from one ear to the next, a hairline incision. Um, and they took a piece of skull from the right side of his head to put it between his eyes to cover up the bone and then replace that with the metal plate.
1: Wow.
2: Um, So it wasn't something that I don't think I was ever ready to experience. No. But it was like one of those things. It was like, I have a really incredible kid here. Yes,
1: <laughs> like yeah.
2: he does not like, I mean, I know all parents say that, but after that surgery, it was kind of like, there is nothing in this world that I can't do if my kid yeah. can make it through this and like be fine, you know? <laughs> brain like, yeah. yeah. And it was like, it, the surgery was actually six and a half hours long. It was a wow. really, like, major surgery. Mm-hmm. And it was unbelievable, but it was, like, our own little Christmas miracle <laughs> that yeah. we got. He made it through the surgery, and he was okay. And even now, two and a half, almost three years later, he, it's like you wouldn't even know that he had the surgery. Like, mm-hmm. he, the yeah. the incision healed beautifully. We have not had any complications with the metal plate. And of course you freak out with a toddler and a metal plate in their skull, right? Every time he does something, I'm like, oh my God, please don't fall. Please don't bump your head. Please, no, don't get up there, Isaac. But I was like, I have to let him be a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. I have to, I don't want to take that away from him, but it's hard with that in the back of your head, you know, that he has an artificial bone placement and a metal plate in his skull and he's a toddler.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not to go backwards, but like, I wonder, you know, we have mamas that talk about what it feels like to be readmitted, having your child Mm -hmm. readmitted. Mm -hmm. And not only was Isaac readmitted, but he was readmitted for like a very major, major surgery. Mm -hmm. And so how was that emotionally for you? And how do you feel like you got through that? You know, was it triggering at all? Did you feel like you were just kind of in mama bear mode? Like, what was that like for you?
2: I think, and I say this a lot to people, I think I was just kind of like in mama bear mode.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I think that most of the time, because Isaac has actually had three surgeries since being out of the NICU. Um, Um, The brain surgery was the first, and he had um, a couple airway surgeries after that. But I think every time, you're a little triggered because you're like, we're back in this place that has all these super scary memories. Um, but you also kind of rely on the fact that my kid is super brave. He's been here before. He did incredible. Like he bounced back, like nothing happened. And I know that he's going to be okay. Um, and so I think for me, I'm always just kind of like in that mode of, I need to protect him. I need to be there for him. I'll kind of deal with the feelings of it later when we're home. And, I can kind of sit and debrief from everything that we've gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, But in those moments when when we're in the hospital, I'm always just kind of like in mama bear slash nurse mode. Like, (laughs) I need to know what's going on every second of the time that we're here. Like, what are you giving him? You know, why are you giving it to him? I think he's in pain. You're telling me he's not in pain, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think that was, for me, it's a little triggering, but I think you just go right back into kind of that mama bear, I need to protect my child mode.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, coming home and then debriefing it. So Mm -hmm. how do you debrief? Like, what did that look like for you?
2: Um, For me, that was a lot of writing, just kind of getting my feelings out on paper. You know, not necessarily telling them to anyone in that moment, but just, this is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. Just kind of having this conversation with like me and God, you know, whether it be prayer, whether it be journaling. But it's like I've always had the mentality that I know some people like really, really hate to hear this. But I am a firm believer that everything does happen for a reason. And everything that you go through, you can learn from it. You can take something from it. And that's kind of what debriefing looks like for me. Just kind of praying through those feelings, writing it out. And it's like, okay, what can I draw from this? You know, what can I take into the next phase of my life that I learned today in the hospital or this past week in the hospital? Um, You know, what came to mind while I was sitting there? Were there any particular Bible scriptures or any thoughts or sayings that I kind of want to expound upon that came Mm -hmm. to me in those moments? Um, And I know a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that, but it has worked for me and it has rang true for me time and time again, that everything that I've gone through with Isaac, something has come out of it. Um, Whether it be a book that I've written or a story that I've been able to share with another mom to uplift her or inspire her to keep going or encourage her that her child is going to be okay. I would not have been able to do that
1: had I not been in that position with Isaac. Right. And I think you make such a good point because it's not, you know, I think when people hear that, it's not like this, it it happened, and then something frivolous came out of it, right? You're talking about things that you never would have dreamt happening on both ends, right? Yes. Um, You have these, these traumatic things that happen with Isaac, but also maybe lifelong friendships that you didn't have before, right? Absolutely. So I think it's, it's, um, it's not an either or, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like both and in this life. And I think yes. that's super wise. I can't wait to read your book, Carita. Oh <laughs> well, be great. You.
0: <laughs> <sighs> so Karita, we talked a little bit about advocacy in the NICU and out of the NICU, but as many NICU mamas know, oftentimes you come home and you're flooded with, Appointments, right? There's mm-hmm. therapies. You're kind of adjusting to these new schedules. And yes. so, you know, what were what was it like for you to kind of transition into that type and style of motherhood?
2: Um, of course, very unexpected because you know, when you think of becoming a mom, you just think of the most basic, right? Like what you <laughs> see on TV, you know. Yes, yes. So and it's like, wow, this is like nurse mom kind of thing. Right. I never yeah. saw this coming. But um, it was a little difficult for me initially with all the therapies and everything, it was kind of em- like emotionally difficult um, because you're kind of just like, oh, I just want my child to be like a normal baby, just develop normally, yeah. you know. I don't want to have to worry about all these therapy milestones that he's not meeting. And then if you've ever had an EI meeting, you know, it's like they find any <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> delay they can. <laughs> yep.
0: And I know they're yes. just
2: doing their job, but it gets a little heavy sometimes. But um, Again, it was kind of like, you know what? Isaac is doing incredible. I'm just going to go with that. Um, I feel like perspective is everything. Yes, we have all these therapies and all these appointments. But overall, he's doing great. And so I'm going to be proud of that. I'm going to you know be excited for the milestones that we are meeting and the ones yeah. that I know will eventually come. Yeah, um, But it was a little heavy initially until I kind of changed my mindset and how I was looking at it. And just the one day at a time, we have to do this. He's still here. He's still living, breathing, doing great. He's doing his best. So I'm going to keep doing my best kind of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I wonder, do you have any words of encouragement for like a fellow NICU mama who's maybe newly immersed into this world of speech therapy and occupational therapy and all of the therapies and (laughs) the evaluations? You know, what words of encouragement would you give to a NICU mama who's finding herself newly in that place? Mm -hmm.
2: Don't just take all the you know things that they're telling you and see it as a bad thing, because sometimes it's so easy to get discouraged when you find out that your child needs therapy or, you know, first he was only getting PT and now we have to add OT and developmental therapy and all these things like you automatically feel like you're doing something wrong or, you know, you're not working with your child hard enough. Don't ever feel that way. All kids progress at their own rate. And they Mm -hmm. move at their own pace and develop how they're going to develop. And that's okay. As long as you know you're doing your best, that is more than enough. And the therapists are always going to judge your child on what they can see in the hour or two that they're with them. You spend every waking moment with your child and you know them better than anyone else. So I feel like that also makes a difference. You know, don't just take everything that the doctors are saying or the therapists are saying and let it make you feel bad about your parenting or how your child is doing. Like always celebrate the little things, even if yeah. it's something that the doctor's like, oh, he should have been doing this six months ago. OK, well, he's doing it now. And I'm really yeah. excited. You yes, Yeah. So I just feel like that's how I look at it. Just always celebrate even the smallest milestones because your kid fought so hard to be here and they're doing the best that they can. You're doing your best. So just always feel good about what you're doing. And yeah. don't necessarily take all the feedback from the therapist and everything and make you feel like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was doing okay, but obviously I'm not because my child isn't walking when all other two-year-olds walk or one-year-olds walk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just... Focus on what you're doing and how your child is doing and be proud of that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I felt like that with, you know, even when we were high risk in our pregnancy, they, mm-hmm. like you mentioned about the therapist, they just, they see every single detail, sometimes yes. more details than you even need to know. Exactly. <laughs> and it felt very similar when we started enrolling in different therapies and they were monitoring every yeah. head turn and every, yes. is he lifting his head? Is he eating? Is he doing this? Oh to my see, gosh, yes. Can he pick up this with two fingers? Can you do this? And you start to overanalyze everything. Yes. Like, should I be yes. doing more? Should mm-hmm. I be doing more? and I love that you just reiterated that you mama you are enough yes that you are doing enough and just that reminder that every kid does progress at their own level every Mm -hmm. NICU baby is different every baby that wasn't in the NICU is different and that's okay I love that reminder well mama do you have any other final closing statements that you would love to share with our mamas who are listening or any other final things that you'd want to include in your episode Um, If I could just say
2: to stay encouraged, stay as positive as you can. I know it gets hard. It's difficult. You are on a journey that you never thought you'd be on, probably. You never saw it coming, but you're here. And so you take it one day at a time and be proud of every accomplishment that you make, that your child makes, and go with that. One Mm -hmm. day at a time, one step at a time. You are doing the best you can. There is no manual that comes with how to be a NICU mom, how to be a good NICU mom, Um, you're just learning as you go and that's okay. There's nothing wrong
0: with that. Yes. Amen. I love that. So good. Well, Miss Carita, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I kind of said it when we took a little break there, but I, I knew that your story was miraculous, but I had no idea all of these mountains that you guys faced while in the NICU, and then brain surgery—you know, however long after the NICU—and so Isaac truly has and lives up to that promise and that name. Oh, and you. so, thank you so much for sharing. It was such an honor to hear about how you guys journey through the NICU together and how you navigate life now and really how you advocated for both of you throughout a lot of your stay. And so yes. thank you so much for that important reminder to, you know, that we know our babies best and we know our bodies best. Mm-hmm. And so mamas, if um, if you're listening to this still, we just want to say, first of all, again, thank you so much for tuning in. It's always an honor to have this space with you here. And also just to remind you, You know, we just touched on it, but you know your baby best. You know your body best. And like Carita mentioned, celebrate every milestone. There's not a milestone too small to celebrate. And so whatever you are facing today, whether you're in the NICU or out of the NICU, just know that you are enough and you are loved just as you are. So, Mamas, we will catch you next time, and we will link how to stay connected with Carita in the show notes as well. But it was such an honor to talk with you today, Carita. So thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you guys for having me. This is <laughs> amazing.
1: Thank you. Such a blast. All right. Well, we will catch you, Mamas, next time. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, Please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the Sisterhood.